Come on, New Wave Church, how you feeling today? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Come on, turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, maybe, but not God's second choice, and tell them, I'm so glad you're here today. So good. Man, I love the faith in the room. I love the energy in the room. This is a good place to be on a Sunday morning. Man, what an honor it is to be here uh, in the great state of Michigan. Let's go. And I believe God's doing something special here. And uh, honestly, it really is an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, your pastors are incredible. I got a chance to get to know them a little bit um, back in California before they moved. And uh, man, there's a, there's a call of God in their life. And I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, what a blessing for this state and for this region that you guys are here. And uh, this great church that God is building. Amen. Because uh, when God builds the church, the gates of hell cannot prevail. When we build, a whole lot of gates of hell prevail. But he says, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so I believe God is doing something special. It's an honor for me to be here. Uh, I traveled here alone, but I'm never alone. My family's always with me. Um, I have a, a quick photo I want to show you of my family. Hopefully, we, there it is. This is my fam. That's my beautiful wife, Esther, my queen. And uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen an angel, maybe in a dream or in a vision. If you've never seen an angel, you should go ahead and look up on that screen. You've now seen your first one. Uh, love my wife. She's praying for us this morning. Um, and actually, her, her and the kids, they got together. They prayed. And one thing that we do in, in our family is I teach my kids to hear God's voice from a young age. My kids are prophetic. So they gave me words of knowledge that I'm going to release here today. I'll never forget the first time I did that. I was, in, I was in, at a church in Sacramento. And uh, my daughter's like, there's, Daddy, there, there's somebody in there that's going to have in their, in their wrist. They're going to have pain in their wrist. And, and it's hard for them to move. And I said, which wrist? They said, they said the left wrist. And so I was like, okay, baby. I was like, I was like I'm going to believe for it. I was like, hey, there's somebody in here today, and you got pain in your left wrist. This is at the church in Sacramento. A girl who had uh, a carpal tunnel, she was one of the, one of the admins and uh, media people. And she, when she would do a lot of stuff, like it would be so painful. And that day was so painful for her. And she's dealt with it for years. That moment, all the pain left. She got healed. I know this church. Still healed. Come on, that's my kids. The Lord can speak to them. So. So I, te I teach them to hear from the Lord. So that's my, uh, um, um, my, the one on the right here, Vienna. She's my second daughter. She's, she's like the grace of God in my life. She's the sweetest. She's like the encourager. She'll just, just blow you away with just words of encouragement. She'll just like, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, you're the best. You're my, you're my hero. I'm going to marry you, Dad. Uh, I, I love you. You're, you know, I'm, I'm your favorite, right, Dad? You know, all that. And she'll just lay on you and just, just, just cuddle. She's the sweetest thing ever. Uh, my man, the man in the middle right there, that's my son. His name is Micah. And uh, he is, he, he's in the 100 percentile of children. <laughs> he was born like in the 95, and then he quickly graduated to the 100 percentile. And uh, that kid is the man. So I always say, he's, he's my retirement plan. So I don't, I'm like, I don't care what, what sport you play, play something. And, uh, and so he's a big kid. He's the sweetest, yummiest uh, kid ever. He loves lamb chops. I, I, once I once cooked a lamb chop, just put that thing in his hand. He grabbed it by the, and he went in, and he's like, he got mad at me. He's like, Dad, why are you only now introducing this to me? I said, son, you start with milk, and then you go to the meat, right? And so that's my boy. And then Arya, the one on, the, on, the, on your left, uh, she's my firstborn. She's seven years old, and she's my miracle baby. Uh, if you're part of this church, you believe in miracles. If you're new to this church, uh, miracles happen today. And if you don't believe in miracles, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, I'll never forget the moment where the doctors looked at me and said, I'm so sorry, there's nothing else we could do. She's purple. 
Uh, she was blue, nothing's functioning, none of her organs, she's fully lifeless, laying there. They tried resuscitating her. Uh, I'll never forget that moment. They had the mask on her face, trying to put oxygen, tubes up her nose, all these things attached to them. It felt like the Matrix in that hospital room with every device there, all these things turned on. I'm like, what is happening right now? And when the doctors tried to do everything they could, uh, I'll never forget that moment. They start disconnecting her from all these things, and the doctor looks at me. He's like, I'm so, so sorry. We tried everything we could. There's nothing else we can do. Have your last moments with her. How many of you guys know sometimes when we reach our limits, God's just getting started? And in that moment, I did the only thing I knew how to do. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be. How many, how many of you guys know that word salvation, that Greek word sozo, doesn't just mean I'm forgiven in my spirit. It also means I'm healed in my body. It also means I'm set free in my soul. Salvation is body, soul, and spirit. And so in that moment, I literally began to declare uh, the name of Jesus over her. I prayed a 15, 10, 15 second prayer. It's not about how long you pray, but it's about the position that you pray from. Right? And I just did the only thing I knew how to do. And um, within seconds of my prayer, all of a sudden, um, most of the doctors and nurses have left the room. There's one um, there that was to kind of clean stuff up. And all of a sudden, you hear this breath <sighs> come out of her. And color starts coming in her body. The nurse freaks out. She runs out into the, into, the, um, into the hallway, starts yelling, there's movement. They push the code blue button. Sirens are going off in the hospital. And the second time they did that, they run back in, and, and, then, and then they start hooking her up to all these oxygen things again. And, uh, and, and the lady that was there uh, helping us with, with uh, one of the nurses, she, my uh, in-laws were in the, in the side room, in the, uh, in the waiting room. And uh, she's like, when we lose a kid, we know we lost a kid. When, when there's hope, we know there's hope. It's like, I've been doing this for 15 years. We lost her. There was nothing left to do. We have, I have no idea how she's alive today. So come on, I believe in a God that raises the dead, heals the sick. Come on. Sets the captive free. And so that, that's my daughter. Her name is Aria, and she's my lion. She, uh, her name even uh, comes from the Hebrew masculine name Ariel, which is one of the, which means not Ariel the mermaid, but Ariel, which means lion of God. And so Aria is like the female version of this. She's my lioness. And she came roaring into this life, and she's still roaring. And so uh, that's my family. You can take that picture down, otherwise I start missing them, and I want to fly home. Uh, but, man, I'm so glad to be here, and I believe God's gotten something special for us here today. Are you ready to have your Bibles with you? Go with me to the book of John. The book of John, chapter number 20. The book of John, chapter number 20. And I know you guys started a series this year talking about redigging wells. Redigging wells. And one of the things I've learned about uh, revival and I've heard from people, I've, I've heard people that are way smarter than me say this, is sometimes the biggest um, stop to a move of God is the former move of God. Because sometimes when you see God move and then you think, okay, it has to be the same way. We always honor the past. That's why we redig those things, that ha why things happen the way they happen. But God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing, and God is bringing a new wave. Come on. And so I want to talk about the original new wave in the Bible today. I just felt this. Uh, I, had a, I had a different message I was going to preach. And literally last night, I started to go to bed at 11 p.m. And the Lord just wouldn't let me go to sleep. Started downloading things to me about what God wants to do. And so I, like, I totally restructured what I wanted to communicate today. And so, um, I, and then here's some of the things that God put on my heart that I believe even it's going to happen today, but I believe even, even like regionally, um, I don't know this area. This is actually my first time in this, in this area. My first time, I fly through Detroit all the time. I'm a Delta guy and this is like one of the hubs, but I've never actually gone into this, into this area, uh, before. Uh, and so I really felt 
sometimes I'll pray for the region. I was praying even last night, and God began to download some of these things. I really felt like there was a, um, a spirit of lack and poverty in this area that's going to be broken. And I believe this church, even the way that you guys believe in giving and being generous already, you've given 25 grand in your churches, not even 25 weeks old. Like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Like, that's not normal. And the way you break a poverty spirit is by being generous. And I really felt that so strong that even uh, that lack of, that spirit of lack that's here, it's, something's going to change. Something's shifting. and it's, it's happening through this church. I believe it's going to happen through some of you. Some of you who gave for the first time, gave that first tithe. They were like, yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing. Pastor, like, hey, maybe it's your first time. I believe something is, is going to begin to be transformed in your life. Other thing I felt like there was, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know this area very well at all, actually. But I really felt like there was uh, even like a witchcraft and an occultish thing happening here. Is, is that true? And I really felt that the powers of darkness are going to bow to the powers of the truth. And God is raising up a church with authority that has power not just over demons, but principalities of an area. I really felt that so strong. And God is building up a church that God has given regional uh, dominance to and, and a strength. And I, and I felt that so strong. And so, and so get ready. God's going to do some incredible things even through this church. I believe there's even going to be even an anointing for deliverance on this church. People are going to walk in, even during worship. I felt this during worship today, that even during worship, as my friends, where are they at? There they are over there. We're leading worship today. And I, I really felt that there's even an atmosphere of during worship, people are literally, as they're lifting hands, just getting set free. And their body's getting healed. Even, 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 during, even without laying hands on people, without declaring, just in that atmosphere. Because it's so potent. Uh, and and uh, I, I don't know why I felt this. I've never felt this before. But almost like it's a region of people feeling overlooked. Which I don't know why, because right now the whole nation's looking over here. You guys just won the, the national championship for college football. You guys beat my alma mater. I graduated from UW, so I'm a little bit bitter, but it's okay. So I came, I came here to, to breathe some of that uh, national championship air. And what you guys' Lions have done has shocked the whole nation. And you guys beat my Rams. Thank you very much. You guys beat both my teams. My gosh. And, uh, and so what God is doing here, I think even in the natural, is just a picture of something that's happening in the, in the spiritual realm. And so I, I really believe that. And I just felt like, I don't know why, but I felt like almost like people here feel overlooked. But get ready because the eyes of God are on, are on this region, are on this area. And the eyes of the world are going to begin to notice what God is doing here. I really, really felt that. And then the last thing, is that okay if I, if I, just, if I just release this? Uh, and the last thing, and this is what kind of like shifted even, even what I want to preach today. Uh, what God showed me is uh, people have been unable to enter this place of rest. It's almost like this busy, busy, and like it's, it's a place of like, it's almost like, um, yeah, and I just felt like God's like, this is a place where they're going to renter, uh, renter, where they're, they're going to enter into rest. And so God put this, uh, breathed this message into me today that I really believe is going to set people free and it's going to even just lay a, a foundation of DNA um, that literally people are going to find rest. People are gonna find, you're going to find rest in this church. If you're new here today, listen, it's my first time too. If I lived here, this, this would be my home church. And so uh, I really believe this is a place where God's going to give you rest, rest for your family, rest for your marriages. And I, I really believe this is a place people are going to walk in and just, they're going to ah, exhale. But before we exhale, this is the word God put in my heart, is we're going we're gonna to inhale. And so if you like titles, I like titles sometimes, um, is uh, 
get your breath back. Get your breath back. So that's what I want to talk about today. In, uh, in the book of John, chapter number 20, we're going to read, starting in verse 19, says this. I'm reading out of the, the ESV. Uh, you can read out of whatever translation you want. They're all good. This, I just, this is just the one that just, just slapped, as the young people used to say. <clears throat> verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were in the fear, they were in this atmosphere of fear, in fear of the Jews. This is like quarantine before COVID. Locked all the doors, closed all the windows, isolated, afraid. And then it says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, and Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm about to send you. But before I send you, that's the last part. But before I send you, uh, and he's, uh, verse 22, when he said this, he breathed on them. Someone say, get your breath back. He breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 23, this is a crazy one. I don't know if we'll have time for this one, but he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold uh, forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's a complicated verse. We'll try to unpackage it. We'll see if we have time for that today. But Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're alive and you're doing something in this region. We thank you that Michigan is going to be touched by the wave of your presence. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing all over the world, but specifically what you are starting fresh here. We honor what you've done. We honor the movements that have touched Detroit, that have touched this greater region. We, 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 we say thank you for what you've done, but we're hungry for more. We're hungry for greater. And, Father, I thank you that you don't save your best until last. And, Father, I thank you that we are living in a time where your best is going to be released. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. We love you. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. Anybody here have gone through some crazy fears in life? I've met people... I met, past, I met a pastor who's afraid of airplanes. Like the moment there's turbulence, he's like, he's just turning pale. Like the guy will drive. He will not fly anywhere. He's like, I'm going to drive, you know. And uh, I, I, I remember praying for a pastor who's afraid of elevators. I don't know what happened to him at a young age, but this guy, uh, well-known, was traveling a lot. He was afraid of elevators. I remember we literally prayed for him and broke that thing off of him. And he would always take the stairs. I'm like, so what if you got to go like 20 stories? He's like, bro, I'm taking 20 stories. I'm like, you crazy. And so uh, he took the, uh, we prayed for him one time. We, and so I've seen people with some crazy fears. I'll, I'll be a little bit transparent, honest with you guys today. Uh, I, watched the, I, I watched some crazy movies about spiders. And so I, I developed from a young age arachnophobia. Anybody, anybody else here hate spiders? We're all going to get set free today in Jesus' name. And, uh, and I'll be honest, I'll, ne- I'll never forget this time. I just started dating my, uh, my wife, now, who, now married to my girlfriend at the time. And we were at a friend's house. It was one of those... Uh, you know, parties where they, we got the charcuterie boards and the food and all these different things are happening. People are walking around talking, hanging out. And I'm over there and all of a sudden, like my wife's over here and we're here, we're talking to a group of friends and, and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see being lowered from the ceiling, this spider. And the moment my eyes, I don't even know if I saw it, maybe I felt it, I don't know. And as it's being dropped, the moment, I, this, no joke, I literally take my girlfriend at the time, my wife, by the shoulders, and I literally move her between me and that spider, and I scream like a middle school girl at a Justin Bieber concert. Ah! Everyone freaks out. And it was a spider that I thought was like the biggest thing ever, but it was just like this little thing. 
and everyone starts la dying laughing. And so I've had to learn how to, I've had to learn how to get my composure in those moments. And now being a dad, my girls are like freaking out. And so I got to teach them, hey guys, listen, it's not a big deal. We, we have authority over serpents and scorpions and spiders in Jesus' name. You know, and so now it's like I got to be the guy that kills them. Which uh, that was a whole thing. Like I've matured out of that age a little bit of, of, of freaking out. I, I, I have no choice to freak out anymore. And so I've learned how to like step back sometimes and <sighs> take a deep breath. It's going to be okay, Mish. You're going to make it. But I, I've, ran, I've, ran, I've ran across people with crazy different fears. But here's the thing about fear. Fear does something crazy because it paralyzes you and you can't even think straight anymore. And you start seeing something uh, that's not real as if it's real. Right? I'll never forget this time I was up snowboarding. I shared a story a little, a little bit with, uh, with your pastors. Uh, yesterday I was, I was out snowboarding. I love snowboarding. And I heard you guys got some mountains out here up in, up in Canada. I was going to say up in Canada, but technically it's down in Canada from you guys. You got to go like down to get to Canada from here, which is pretty crazy. Um, but uh, I, was, I was snowboarding, and uh, long story short, I was trying to do this backflip and uh, ended up landing on my neck. Or this, it was this massive thing, and ended up breaking my neck. I uh, ruptured, ruptured discs, broken vertebrae, uh, nerve damage, and I'm laying up there, and all of a sudden, and, here, and here's the thing that happened is like as I was why it even happened, because I'm a snowboarder, I've hit, the thing is, the day before, I hit that jump probably 15 times, but what happened, the next day, I go there, we're doing night skiing, night skiing, and when you go to the train park, the one thing they always tell you in every train park is, before you go hit the jump, go down and see it, you have to see what you're getting into, especially at night, when there was just like a little light, and then you gotta like, you don't even know where you're going, right, and, uh, and so I was like, oh, I hit this jump 15 times the day before, I'm good, so the next day, I'm up there, I'm, I brought my roommate up who doesn't know how to snowboard, and so for the first three hours, I was teaching him how to do it, and then finally, I was like, hey, let's go to the train park. I was like, I, I want to hit this jump I was hitting yesterday. And so I'm up there, and, and, so, and, and so it's like this big decline before, before, before the ramp, and so I'm, up, I'm at the top, and I'm like, hey, go down to the bottom, I'm going to hit that thing over there, way down there. And so I'm up there, and I'm like, okay, i got to go as fast as I can, I don't have many chances, because I'm helping this guy learn. And so I drop in, and I'm just going as fast as I can. And as I'm getting closer, and I'm getting there, and it happens so fast because you're moving so fast. As I'm getting closer, I look at this jump, and I realize it's not the same jump as yesterday. I find out later that they just built it up. It was about six feet high the day before. Now it's nine feet high, and they just built it up to do professional big air competition that they're going to film the next day. I had no idea. And so as I'm coming down, this is what fear does, is the moment you start, see, instead of just like trying to navigate out of it and breathing and like, okay, I can figure this out, what I did is what fear does is it tenses you up. And I tensed up, and in that moment, I, I lost all control and any ability to think straight and do what I should, be, should have been doing. My legs locked up. I get thrown off. I go into the air. I didn't have enough momentum to turn all the way over. I'm go, I went up, and I land on my neck. And I realized one thing in that moment, like it, I end up going paralyzed. This is actually a crazy story. One of the reasons I love healing and going after healing so much is because the doctors told me you're going to be paraplegic. And I'm like, listen, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm a preacher. I got to go, be on stage. Like, no, 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 don't worry. You can preach out of a wheelchair. You can preach out of a bed. Like, she's like, you're lucky that you don't have any brain dead, that you're not brain dead because of how, how bad the situation is. And so God supernaturally healed me. It's crazy. I can tell you a story. The doctor, I was in a neck brace. The doctor said, you're not going to have movement. They fused my vertebrae. I'm not supposed to be able to have any rotation. I wish I had time to tell you the story. But if you don't believe in miracles, you're literally staring at one right now. I had no movement in my arms. If I wanted to, if I wanted to pick up this water bottle, I literally would have to, like, th throw my hand up like this. And I couldn't even, like, grip it well. Like, it, I, it, it was crazy. And here's the thing is, fear paralyzes you. And we're looking at this story 
And these guys who just lost their teacher, their best friend, the guy who's been discipling them, they just uh, they've been walking with them for three and a half years. They've learned so much stuff, and all of a sudden, things happen differently than the way they expected, and everything begins to fall apart, it feels like, in their life. And so what does fear make you do? It makes you want to run, it makes you want to hide, and it makes you believe a lie. Fear makes you want to run, it makes you want to hide, and it makes you believe a lie. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. The moment he's, God's like, hey, do not eat that fruit. When they ate the fruit, what happened? They ran. And they hid. And God was like, where you at, bro? Adam, where you at? Not because God couldn't find him, but Adam was separating himself now from God. God knew exactly where he was. God's not, you know. But he's just like, Adam, hold on. The, the posture is different now. Where, where are you? What happened to you? And he's like, oh, but we were afraid. Because that's what fear does. It makes you run. It makes you hide. It makes you believe a lie. And so in that moment, he's like, oh, but we ate the fruit. And, uh, and we were afraid. And, and, then, and, and then God asked him this question. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you should run? Who, why are you believing a lie? If I didn't tell it to you, why are you believing it? So fear makes us want to run, makes us want to hide, and fear, fear makes us believe a lie. And the disciples literally are at this place where they're in fear, and they isolate themselves. They close all the doors. They're afraid. If they took out Jesus, they're going to take out us. But the Bible's very clear. I'm going to read some of my favorite passages uh, on fear, the promises of God we have on fear. Have you guys heard of this before, that there's 365 passages on it because there's 365 days and every day we need to put our dependence on him, not on the situation that we maybe physically or naturally see. Because that's not even the truth. What he says is the truth. Because he is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And it, just a couple of some, some of my favorite verses. He says this in Isaiah 41, uh, 41, 10. A, a classic, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. He promises us this. All through the Bible, Old Testament, in the New Testament. I love this verse in uh, 1 John 4, 18. That perfect love casts out sometimes fear. That his perfect love will maybe cast out fear if you. No, no. That's what it does. When love is in an atmosphere, you don't have fear. Right? There's love, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Patience, right? If you have love, then you're going to have joy. And guess what? When you have joy, whoo, you just have peace. They all work on each other. If you have peace, then it's going to be easy to be patient. They all just work off each other, right? And so, and so he says that perfect love casts out fear. And then uh, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7, I love this one. That God did not give us a spirit of fear. But he gave us love. I love this next one. Help me out. Power. Someone say power. Power. And a sound mind or, or self-discipline. Uh, some translations say. And so fear will make you want to run. It will make you hide. And it will make you believe something that's not even true. It may be the reality of this world, but it's not the reality that you have to live in. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And his world is more real. And I always say this, is that what you believe is what you receive. There's a difference between, there's facts, right? We have facts. And, and, and facts are facts. But here's the thing about fact. And what we've learned about fact is fact is always changing. Because the moment there's a new fact, fact is always evolving. So why are we putting so much faith in something that is moving and shifting always anyways? And then there's truth. And truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth is a person. Truth doesn't change. 
Your fact will change. What you believe is what you're going to receive. If you're going to believe the fact, guess what? You're going to begin to live in it, and you're going to have to diagnose it, and you're going to have to medicate it, and you're going to have to help that fact. Or you can say, I know the truth. I know what God said. I know what Jesus said on the cross. I know what his promises are. And his promises are what? Sometimes and maybe. His promises are always yes and amen. Yes is his part. Amen is our part. Yes is I gave you the promise, which means I'm going to do it. What does amen mean? It means I agree. Let it be. Let it be so. And so faith is our part. So the, the, his promises are yes, that's grace. His promises are uh, amen, that's my faith. So when, when our faith meets his grace, all of a sudden we see the reality of it. Because sometimes we can look at his promises and we say, oh, but those promises aren't yes in my life. So does that make God a liar? No, because my faith hasn't agreed with his promise. And so now I'm receiving something that was never intended for him, for me to live in. I'll never, forget, I'll never forget the moment my, uh, my daughter, right around she was one years old, my second one, Vienna, uh, right, right around the time she was uh, one years old, uh, she woke up one day and she's, her body just broke out in rashes. And so we called three different medical professionals. They all said the same thing. She's got an allergic reaction. Figure out what's in your house, something maybe you brought in new, a rug, a chemical, a spray, a clothing, a dish, dishwasher, uh, something. And so they're like, she's got an allergic reaction. So we spent the whole day looking for the allergic reaction and couldn't figure it out. The second day, we're looking, uh, what I did is I, I, I decided to put her in different parts of the house and outside and stuff. That, is it our spray that we're using outside? Is that this? Is that? So I put her in different places, and I figured out the, the moment I put her in this area between the kitchen and the, in the living room, that's where she would break out, just like covered. And so we knew within minutes she would just be covered. And I'm like, okay, there's something here. Second day, we couldn't figure it out. That night, I put her down to sleep, and it's just heartbreaking for a parent to watch her kid literally. It's almost like... These rashes and bubbles even started to come here and all, literally all over her body. It was, it was, she looked like a burn victim. I saw pictures. I look at these pictures. I'm like, sheesh. And in that moment, we, uh, we put her down to sleep. And one thing my wife and I like to do is we love to remember what Jesus did with communion. So we took, the, we took a cracker and we took some, I, think, I don't even think we had grape juice. I think we ended up taking water. Jesus turned water to wine. So I'm like, hey, we can do it here too. Let's go in Jesus' name. So I think we took like a shot, of, like a little, a little uh, espresso shot glass of, of water and, and, and a cracker. And we, we, here's what we did. We said, we understand that we have, there's a, there, there, there's a fact. The fact is her body is reacting to something. But I also know there's a truth. And Jesus said that on the cross, he took some sicknesses and some diseases. My Bible says all. The Old Testament, Isaiah, all. New Testament, Jesus said, took all, every sickness and disease. So I have your promise I have, your, I have the truth, and I have the reality, a.k.a. fact. And in that moment, I said, God, I understand. Because there's some Christians like, oh, it's not real, it's not real, I'm not, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. No, no, you are sick and you're dying. You better take some medicine because it's not looking good for you. All right? We understand there's fact, but we, put, we, put our, we don't put our faith in our reality. We put our faith in the reality that he gives us. Right? And in that moment, we began to believe. And we said, God, I understand what your truth says. And your truth says that by your stripes she has been healed. You took it on the cross. And so this infirmity, I, I literally said this. I was like, I don't even care what she's allergic to. I don't want to know. I don't want her for the rest of her life to be afraid of whatever that is. So I was like, I don't even want to know what it is. We break its power in the name of Jesus. She wakes up the next morning. By morning, most of it faded away. She had only a couple little dots or whatnot left on her. And I was like, she, she wakes up and I was like, babe, I'm going to take her right to that spot. I'm like, I'm like, you good? She's like, I'm good. Let's go. I literally take her and I was like, sit down. <laughs> Nothing happened. To this day, we still have no idea what that was. 
three days of suffering and all of a sudden, bam, she's been set free. Why? Because listen, I understand there is fact in life and there's a reality of this world, but we don't bow to this. We bow to the name of Jesus. His reality is greater than any reality we can see. That's why I love stepping into atmospheres like this where it's like, man, it may look like it's just the beginning of ages, which you guys are crushing it for beginning stages. 20 weeks? This is incredible. And I'm seeing this and I'm like, man, but I see what, how God sees this. And you guys are part of the groundwork of something that's going to be special. And it's going to be a movement that's going to spark something so powerful here. And I believe even what God is building here is going to bring a new energy to even the ministries around, a new life to ministries around. I really believe that. And I even, I even felt that. I didn't realize you guys were going to do that thing next year with the baptism thing. But I really felt that even, even during worship, like you guys are going to be a hub for even networking churches and just being like a place of health for pastors, a place of health for other ministers who maybe even beat up, busted, and disgusted, right? And hurt and just bringing unity. I just really feel there's a, such a unity that's going to be brought. And so fear makes us run and makes us hide. And here's what's crazy. I, lo I love how this second part of this verse, it says, we, we, we saw the situation, but it says Jesus came and stood among them. Woo. Now imagine this picture. Now, what we don't know is we don't know how Jesus got in there. The doors were locked. Did he walk through a wall, some people think? Did he, like, elevate from the floor? Did he drop through a ceiling? Did he just appear? I don't know how he got there, which I'm, I'm okay with that, because I don't know how God's going to show up in your situation. And it doesn't matter how he shows up. All I know is that he does show up. And we, we don't know exactly what, what happened, but we do know this, that the way he showed up, what does fear do? It makes us run, makes us hide, and it makes us see something that's not real. And Jesus himself walked in, and they were like, in, 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 the, book of, in the book of Luke, the same story, they said they thought it was a ghost. Imagine Jesus shows up and they're like, there's a ghost in here. Jesus himself, and I love this because imagine all the doors are locked, the windows are locked, they're over there crying. I mean, I, I can imagine John. John's the emotional one. He's probably just like, <laughs> he's probably crying. He's probably got more snot, than, more snot than tears. He's probably shaking. And then you got Peter, you know, the burly guy. He's like, <laughs> he's probably got that, that, the quivering lip. No, I'm not quivering. I'm, I'm strong. And knees, knees start shaking, right? And, uh, and John's just like, ah. Right? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in and they didn't even recognize. Sometimes, here's what I want to tell you today, that Jesus is in the middle of your situation. And sometimes you don't even see him because you're so busy focused on the fear that's around you. Oh, I got this diagnosis. Oh, but look at my bank account here. Oh, look at what's happening with my children. Look what's happening with this. Look, And you're looking at the the factual reality and not the truth that he, he promised us one thing. He said, I promise you this. I will sometimes leave you. No, no, no. Never, never leave you, the Bible says. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. That's his promise. He promised us he's in the middle of your mess. He's in the middle of your situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the middle of that fire. The one thing that we don't, that we don't see in the Bible is they didn't see, the Bible doesn't say that they saw the fourth man. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar. There's something else in there. They maybe had no idea what was happening. They just, by faith, were in that fire. They had no idea. But all of a sudden, the guy's like, I see something. What is happening in there? Come on, I believe that 2024 is going to be a year that the only thing that gets burnt is the, is the things that were binding you. And you're going to walk out of that fire in the name of Jesus. Because we're not looking at the fact. We're staying in faith. And we're not understanding the truth. And Jesus walks in the middle of their situation. He doesn't stand on the outside and say, what's wrong with you, Peter? Why did you abandon your faith? He doesn't judge. That's what religion does sometimes. That's what maybe your former church did to you. 
What's wrong with you? Why would you live like that? Why would you do that? Maybe they stand on the outside and judge you because you have lost, because that's what they did. They lost their faith. They stepped away. They hid. When they were supposed to go into all the world, they're hiding. Jesus didn't stand out on the outside and say, you guys fix your situation, then maybe I'll come in. Woo. Religion will do that, but not him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of their pain, in the middle of their problem, he walks right in. And the first thing he says, there's three things Jesus says. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he says, I'm, I'm going to send you. That's the third thing. He says, I'm going to send you as the Father has sent me. The reason I have been sent to this earth, now I'm sending you for that reason to this earth. Because you're going to carry something that I carried into this earth. And what I did on this earth, you're going to do. I'm going to send you. But that's the last thing. But before I send you, the Bible says he breathed on them. Someone say, oh, just take that breath. Deep breath. You know, a psychologist will say, take a deep breath. They had no idea. That's actually very spiritual. And Jesus says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was the first time where the Holy Spirit began to come on the inside of someone. This was the first moment of salvation, really. The outside of Jesus, this was the first time that man had, the, since, since Adam, lost that moment in the garden. All the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never lived on the inside of people. He would come upon them for a task, for a mission, for a prophetic word, for a decision, but he would leave. That's why D David prayed this prayer. That is theologically incorrect for us to pray today. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he doesn't just come upon us anymore. He lives on the inside of us now. So that is a theologically incorrect prayer. Don't pray that. Don't take your Holy Spirit. He doesn't. He, freely, you've received. Now what you do with the Holy Spirit, that's up to you. But he ain't, God ain't taking him. Kind of like your salvation. God doesn't take, you don't lose your salvation. Now you can walk away, you can step away, you can do whatever you want with that gift. But it's on you, not on him. Right? And so it's freely given, so we freely received, and, and, all, and all of a sudden he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's these three Ps. Come on, every, every good preacher has a three-point sermon. Jesus preached a three-point sermon, so I'm going to give you his three-point sermon. It's, it's, it's the original new wave. So the first wave was Adam. Adam was full of the, the Spirit of God and then lost it. And now this is the, the new wave that we're going to redig and we're going to believe and stand with is that breath. To breathe this in, to breathe his breath, what's inside of him. He's like, what's in me, the same spirit that's in me, it's going into you now. And what did he do? That was the second wave. The first wave, the OG wave, was when the father, remember Genesis, he, Genesis chapter 1, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 7, he, out of the dust of the ground, he formed the man, right? In, in, in chapter 1, he says he created man. That's the spiritual side of man. And then he said, and then he did what? Verse 7, he breathed. Someone say, take a breath. And all of a sudden, God breathed in and he became a living soul. That was the first time breath was breathed in. And now Jesus is doing what the Father did. Woo! And I believe that this church is going to do what Jesus did. And this church is going to be a breath of fresh air for a community, for a city. And there's a new wave. There's a, we're redigging what God originally intended for us to live in the spirit. And we're going to say, hey, listen, those wells that have brought revival, we are here. And we're going to see another move of God. And we're going to see the presence of God. We're going to see healing. We're going to see deliverance. Because the breath that Jesus had, he says, you do it. And now this church is here to say what Jesus did. We're doing it now. You do it. You do it in your marriages. You do it and you see it in your finances. You see it in your, in your relationships. Come on, someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. And he said, peace 
be with you. Man, I wish I had time to go into this. There's the three major revelations of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's downloaded this to me. Are, are, are three of the most important revelations that we can have. The revelation of the Father is very simple, to be with him. Be with him. The revelation of the Son, of Jesus, is to be like him. And the revelation of the Holy Spirit is do what he's called us to do. Be with him. That's what the Father. Be like him. Come on, Jesus. And do what he's called us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Without that breath, without that power, we cannot do it. So we're called to be with him, be like him, and do what he's called us to do. And you cannot do what he's called us to do. Now, we need to be with him. You guys took a whole month, prayed, fasted. Some of you for your first time fasted. Listen, I hope you make it a lifestyle. I try to do a monthly where I take one to three days a month and just say, God, you know, I'm going to fast. I'm going to say no to the natural things because I want to come alive to the spiritual things. And I believe this is something to be because I want to be with him. It's not because I want to get something from you. It's because I want to be with you. Man, I want that revelation to be. That was Paul in his, in his, in his later years, 60 years old, uh, writing to the Philippines, uh, in, 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 the, in the Philippian jail, right? And Not to the Philippines. <laughs> That's the country. To the Philippians. <laughs> Big difference. And, uh, and so I, got, I just got invited recently to, to the Philippines for the first time, so I'm like, it's in my head. But to the, in the Philippian jail, to the, to, the, to the church in Philippi, and, and he's writing and saying, in his old age, he's like, man, if, if there's one thing that you can know, Number one is that you are that you, uh, to know him, and then in the power of his resurrection. But you can't operate in the power until you know him. So the revelation of the Father is to know him. That's where the peace is. So Jesus walks in and he's like, "Shh, it's gonna be okay. Peace be with you. Peace I live with you." In fact, when Jesus came to Earth, remember what the angels began to began to shout, "Peace on Earth just came." There has not been peace on earth, but Jesus just came. So now, peace on earth. We sing songs, peace on earth. And yeah. Come on, Christmas is not that far away. Some, some of you guys still have decorations of Christmas in your houses. <laughs> right? So when Jesus came, peace came. Jehovah Shalom. That word shalom in the original is a peace. Peace showed up. So it's the revelation of the Father is whew, he's here. Be with him. Now be like him. That's uh, do, uh, uh, live like him. And all of a sudden, and then do what he's called us to do on earth. And so, and, and so the first thing he says, in fact, what's interesting, he doesn't just talk about breathing in, on the Holy Spirit twice. He doesn't talk about, as the Father has sent me, so I'm going to send you to go do some stuff. But he did twice say peace. Because if you don't have peace, the power is not going to come for you to fulfill your purpose. Say this with me, in the peace of God, by the power of God, to fulfill the purpose of God. There's a purpose of God on this church. There's a purpose of God on your family. There's a purpose of God on your marriage. And you cannot fulfill your purpose if you don't have the power. And you can't have the power unless you have the... And it's an upside-down kingdom. In, 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 our, in our natural world, it's the opposite. When we grow up, the first thing they ask us is, what do you want to be when you grow up? So it's about purpose. They're trying to put purpose in you first. What do you want to be when you grow up? And then you go through and try to accomplish that purpose. So then you, 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 the power part of it, you go to school, you get your education, you get your degree, you get your this, your training. You know, the, the power part of it happens. And then after you work and your kids graduate and they leave the house and all of a sudden you have the, ah, the peace. I can retire. Our world is the opposite. In the kingdom of God, I, I wrote some of these things down. The kingdom of God is the opposite. The Bible says that the last shall be, that the lost will be, that the weak are actually, that those who die will actually, Right? If you give, we talked about this today, if you give, then what happens? 
you receive. Come on. It talks about that meekness is not a weakness, but meekness is actually a strength. And so the kingdom of God is the opposite, and the world tries to get us to think it's structure where God's like, no, 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 no. You must have, if you want to fulfill your purpose, and there's a purpose of God on your life, everybody wants to know their purpose. In fact, the number one, I'm actually going to write a book on this, but the number one question I get as a traveler around the world, and I've been to over 44 different countries. I've been to a lot of countries many times through. I've been to Brazil 22 times. I've been, I go to Europe three times a year, it feels like four times a year. It's crazy. Um, and God's allowed me to be all over, all over the place, a lot of return countries. And, I, and the number one thing I get asked is, will you pray for me? I want to know what God's plans for my life. How did you fulfill your purpose? How do I get to my destiny? How do, I, how do I fulfill the call of God? That's their question. I'm like, wrong question. That's a byproduct of power. Which is a byproduct of being with him and receiving his peace. It's like that moment when Jesus was on the boat. Woo! And there was a storm. And he's sleeping. Have you ever felt like Jesus is sleeping in the middle of your storm? Maybe you feel it right now. God, do you see what's happening in my life? I think he's a little bit more aware of what's happening in your life than you are. If Jesus can sleep in the middle of a storm, I got this revelation. I should be sleeping in the middle of a storm. I go to bed sometimes when everything's when there's chaos around me. I say, God, my body needs sleep. So I'm gonna go ahead and go to sleep, and you don't need sleep because you're spirit. And so you just go ahead and you do what I can't do while I sleep. And when I wake up, thank you, it's all gonna be done in Jesus' name. Right? And so all of a sudden, uh, uh, Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. Peter wakes up. Ah, wake up, Jesus. What's happening? We're going to die. Ah. You know, so dramatic, right? Because we look at the fact, but we don't know the truth. The two things that they forgot, they forgot, first of all, you have the promise of Jesus. Jesus is like, we're going to the other side. Which means, if he said you're going to the other side, where, where are you going to end up? But we forget his promises. And we start panicking. Because fear makes us run, it makes us hide, it makes us believe something that's not true. They believed the wrong reality. And they forgot the most important thing. Jesus is on the boat. If he's on the boat, you ain't going down, sucker. You're going to be okay. Because Jesus ain't going down. He's undefeated. He don't, he don't lose. He's in your boat. And so I just felt like releasing this today. And we're going to wrap up. I get the worship team to come back up here. I want to pray for some people. Uh, but, man, but I really felt this so strongly that, man, the peace of God is going to be released. And I got, I got a couple quick verses. I just, want, I just want to read them real quick to you guys. I got them here somewhere, I promise. Ephesians 2.14, I love this verse. Paul says, he, Jesus, himself is our peace. That's why he can sleep in the middle of a storm. And you cannot release what you do not have. I can't give you something I don't have. If I don't have water, I can't give you water. Oh, God doesn't want us to be wealthy. God wants, us, God wants you to be generous. So guess what? To be generous, you got to have money. God wants this church to give even more. What you guys have started is incredible. But God's like, man, can you imagine what blessing this church can be to the community, to the area? Can you imagine what this church could do? But we can't do stuff that we don't have. Jesus couldn't release peace to that storm because if he wasn't peace, but he is the prince of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. That is his name, God of peace. And it says, he himself, our peace, made us both one. Talking about the Jew, the Gentile, breaking down. He says, and he broke down, uh, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility, this, this, this hostility. I feel like even that peace of God that's going to be released through New Wave Church is going to break down denominational bounds, church bounds, it's going to break down walls, and it's going to begin to release a, lot, a new life in this region. He says this in Romans 5.1, I love this. Since we've been justified by faith, we have 
peace with God through Jesus Christ. Woo. And then the last one, I love this one, uh, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding. So if you want the peace that surpasses your understanding, you have to sometimes give up your right to understand. Some of us are trying to make everything make sense naturally. If you want the peace, stop trying to figure out the natural and just get him. The peace that surpasses understanding, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so he says, when you have the peace, whoo, you're set up. And I believe this is gonna be a church that knows how to be with God, knows how to have the, the love of God and the peace of God. And it's a place where families are gonna come and they're gonna feel Jesus. And they're gonna, for a moment, forget about all those things that all week were so strong on their minds, they're gonna walk into these worship sets and they're gonna forget about what's happening and the peace of God is gonna show up and when the peace of God shows up, all of a sudden the power shows up. And he said, he breathed on them. That was the moment the Holy Spirit came on the inside of them. But he's like, but wait, 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 don't go anywhere. Go in the upper room and wait. In my peace, so now they did it right. Now they went to another room and they had peace this time. This room, fear. It was a model of like, you're about to go to another room called the upper room, but you're not going to have any fear there. You're going to be in, in my presence. And all of a sudden, the fire of God came and the Holy Spirit not, was not only on the inside of them, but now he came upon them. And he said, and you shall receive power. We were praying about this this morning, dunamis power. And you shall receive that dynamite power. And then you're going to go and be my witnesses. We have a lot of people witnessing that have not experienced the power. Can we stand to our feet?